Welcome back to the Exist Theatre Podcast, coming to you directly from the International Dublin Gay Theatre Festival 2017. We're here in sunny Dublin in our lovely, comfortable Airbnb to bring you all the news from the festival so far. Uh, we had a phone call from Judy's lawyers this morning. Yes. Unfortunately, she won't be on the show. We're to stop calling her house. Yeah. She's, she's... not interested. No, yeah, we, we we could have a lawsuit on our hands, so we're, we, we're just going to back off now. So sorry, sorry again, Judy. Apologies. Yeah. We love you. We do. So we've so far had a really good run. We've had some great really audiences. Um, even better, we've had some brilliant reviews so far. Yes, so we told you about our four-star review the other day, but we just had another four-star review, which we're thrilled about, from the Arts Review. Uh, they said the show was powerful, gripping and intelligent, which is nice. It is we nice, love that. It? They also said a potential underground classic. I'm obsessed with that quote. I love that. I'm going to tattoo that on my face. <laughs> I think you should. I think that everybody will know. <laughs> I'll take that, please. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we also had another review from No More Workhorse blog. Uh, they don't they don't star rate on their blog, but they said an unflinching, honest piece of theatre, which is great. Yeah, we like this. I'm I'm really pleased with the reviews because one thing that's really coming across is that everything I think we wanted to show in the piece is coming through. Yeah, people are understanding it, and yeah, and they're getting... at a level that you know we were worried it, because it's it does change from um, you do flashbacks and and you can you can take what you want from yeah, the show. Yeah, definitely. You can you can look at it on its total face value, the mm-hmm. story we're telling, um, which is fine. Yeah. I'm perfectly fine with people doing that. But the reviewers have been able to see the layers yeah, underneath absolutely. that, which which is really nice that that's being appreciated. Yeah, well, they've been getting it spot on, which means that you're doing something right. So, yes, hopefully. <laughs> um, so come and check us out in Bleach, uh, playing at Outhouse until the 6th of May, on at nine o'clock every day and we've got a 2.30 matinee. So come and join us before we have to go home. Oh no, no. we want to stay forever. <laughs> <laughs> but we're still having an absolutely brilliant time yeah. and we've got some more interviews to share with you today. Yes. So today we're going to be hearing from both sides now. But first, we've got a lovely, interesting, well fascinating yeah. really, uh, interview with Stephen Fales about his play Confessions of a Mormon Boy. So now we're joined with Stephen Fales, uh, who is performing Confessions of a Mormon Boy at the Teachers Club. Will you tell us? A bit of an unfortunate name. Well, yeah, once your name is Fales, there's nowhere else to go but up. (laughs) This is true. I like that. So, you know, you can say never fails too, or when all else fails. (laughs) But yeah, uh, uh, it sounds as bad as it it sounds. But, uh, <laughs> but it sounds like you're not failing with this show. No, like we're like, succeeding. Well, we are succeeding. <laughs> and um, yeah, so it's we're here in the Ireland and um, I'm, I'm back after uh, I was here nine years ago. So I'm back. So top of the Marmon to you. So yeah, will you tell us a little bit more about your show? We just, we can't wait to hear about it. Well, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a story of extremes. And what is it to find a middle ground? So I, I'm, that's where I'm at in my life. Where, where's just the, the middle for me? Because uh, it's about being the perfect Mormon boy, which is, you know, perfectionism and an extremity there of, of moral, moral impossibility. And then uh, what is it to be the perfect rent boy <laughs> and to frolic in the underworld where it was actually quite dangerous? 
And then what is it to reclaim my life and, and find a middle ground that works for me? And uh, a lot of the show ends up with me really uh, claiming my place as a dad. I have two children. So Confessions is also part one in the Mormon Boy trilogy. So life continues. So um, the, the play is uh, inspiring, transformational, sexy and harrowing, and we really get real. You know the Book of Mormon musical? Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. Right? Well, um, this is a story from, from real life Mormondom. So we, we there's, I, I hope, a lot more dimension. Yeah. You know, Mormons are easy to like put in a barrel and yeah. kind of yeah. shoot and just two dimensional. Yeah. So I hope to really flush out the gay Mormon experience full out. Ways that uh, in ways Tony Kushner in Angels in America couldn't quite do because yeah. he's not from the culture. Yeah, and um, so we do it with a lot of warmth and humor, and and, uh, and this is your story. Yeah, yeah, true stories. And how is it to perform something that is literally this is you're putting yourself out there on that stage? How does that feel? Well, now it feels like um, kind of a mission, and it's almost a meditation. I have done this show probably a thousand times. So I it's like, how you do that. <laughs> how do you, you know, so it's like you go on stage, it's like reveal something to me, you know, I think I know this, but like in the white space of this show tonight, what is something new about my story I didn't mm -hmm. know? And, and I keep doing it because I help other people get complete with their story. It's like, oh, okay, so I'm, 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 he I'm healing from mine and everyone has a story. And so I unlock everyone else's story by telling mine. So yeah. it's this kind of... So it's got a relatable essence to it, so that even if it's from somebody from a different background, we'll still have that opportunity. I had a Jehovah Witness write to me after opening night the other night. He's like, I am experiencing, you know, I'm still surviving my excommunication, my shunning from my family. Um, thank you so much, you're giving me hope. But also people that weren't excommunicated mm. say, you know, they're like, oh, well, you know, it's, it's about religion. Well, it's really about what it is to be human. There, I had this tendency to play the victim. Not that I, I haven't been a victim of some oppression, but I had a tendency to play the mm. victim, which, you know how they say it gets better? Well, if you're always in that victim mode, you know, playing the victim, sometimes it gets a lot worse yeah. before it gets better. So this is about how to um, deal with my own demons, not just the ones outside. Was it, was it hard to share such a personal and in many ways controversial story with people you know that maybe don't know all the aspects of things that have happened in your life? It's really hard to have a boyfriend in the audience that you're beginning to date. I can imagine. I don't, I don't <laughs> recommend yeah, this, that they meet you on stage. Not the first day. Uh, yeah, you just need to wait a while. I would imagine go, a quick Google search comes up with some oh, quite interesting things. Is, I'm sunk. Yeah, Google Mormon boy Stephen Thales, and I'm on Twitter, and I'm on, you know, but, uh, you know, I'm a bit of a showboat, but um, uh, it was really hard to tell at the beginning because I was dealing with escorting. Mm-hmm. You know, which I now consider like top shelf human trafficking. But to admit that you were involved in all of that, that my part, their part, um, those are really taboo subjects. Yeah. Because they'll just want to say, well, once a hooker, always a hooker. Yeah, of course. Or once a prostitute. I, my mission is really, uh, you know, I'm a humanist now. But if Jesus had a mission, it was for the hookers. <laughs> it was to free the hookers. So, uh, you know, in a, a theatrical, humanist way, I, I'm here to um, shed light on this oppression. It's not the world's oldest profession. It's the world's oldest oppression. And in this age of marriage equality, mm -hmm. and we're raising the bar on human relationships, 
I think transactional, uh, when we're when we treat each other transactionally. Yeah. It's a it's a it's something I'm trying to bring to light. Yeah, definitely. Um, and and sex workers are some of the most brave, bold, beautiful, spiritual people on the planet. But sometimes we're we're stuck in these sex work careers where we actually really do have another dream. And so my, I want to help us to find what that dream is. Yeah. When I stopped escorting, um, now this was back in 2000, late 2001. I've been telling this story for a long time. You know, there's something in me that says, my art can succeed if I leave that business. Yeah. And, and that's what's happened. And sometimes I've suffered financially. It'd be so easy to pick up the phone. Yeah. You know? And do and you think I could get a, a client or two, maybe? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you struggle. <laughs> To be, you know, um, but um, yeah, and and you know, it was the writing that was so cathartic, and the big, ch it was the writing in the beginning, that was the real catharsis. And now, you know, I was a trained actor before my life nosedived, and then I literally rewrote it. And now, it feels like a, an old friend, a good play. Uh, I've dusted it off. Yeah. And um, I'm bringing it back. Yeah. What was the creative process? How long did it take to sort of get that? Mm. <laughs> and, and why? Yeah. Why did you feel like you had to tell it? Is it just to help other people or well, is that catharsis? Well, it's everything. Everything. But I'll tell you the one, number one reason, deep, deep down. I was afraid that if I were to die when I came out and I had these two children, I was afraid if I were to die, which, and that was the roadmap. You come out, get AIDS and die. I wasn't going to leave this planet without something really concrete, some kind of valentine, clues that I could leave my children. Mm. I wanted my children to know how much I loved them, what I had been through, because if I were to die, I wasn't going to leave them with nothing from yeah. their dad. And what's interesting about my story is I married into a very famous Mormon writing family. And my mother-in-law, my former mother-in-law, is one of the great writers of Mormondom and her plays and her poetry. I mean, she was just so prolific. And when she came out with her crossover memoir called Goodbye, I Love You, it was about bringing her ex-husband home to die of AIDS in 1984. Wow. So this book came out, published by Random House in 86, and it put her on all the talk shows, and it became a big deal. So I married their oldest daughter, and we had this new reparative therapy, this conversion therapy that was coming out, it was very seductive and was coming into vogue and it wasn't the electroshock therapy of the past. And I thought, you know, with this therapy I can be straight. And I had met Emily, my ex-wife, and we, we signed up to rewrite her parents' story. And after six months of marriage and um, two kids and graduate school, and we just both stopped smiling and I, I came out finally, but I was excommunicated. And it was this medieval barbaric cult tactic. And I couldn't believe after I was a Mormon missionary, my, I mean, I'm a son of the Utah pioneers. I mean, you know, all of this um, culturally, and then to, to just kick me out of the Mormon world. And even though I wasn't totally believing all of it, it was like my life. Yeah. So it was really fragmenting. And I found the experience so fantastical that it was happening and how these church courts happen in Mormondom that I'm like, someone needs to write about this. So not only was it for my kids, but I wanted to expose this, this excommunication in the, in the new millennium and hold the church accountable for its uh, religious violence against LGBTs or anybody. And, and what, what is your relationship with the church now? 
in your your faith? Um, today, when I go to an Episcopal church, which is Anglo-Catholic, I see it all as a metaphor. I can see things in poetry and metaphor and story. Are the stories true? I don't know. But these are the stories. Yeah. And if I look at Greek mythology, and I find the story of Narcissus to be timely for me. <laughs> or I see, um, uh, you know, all of these timeless stories have uh, poetic uh, relevance. Mm, there's a message. So I can really like hang, but it's been yeah. a huge journey, a lot of therapy, a lot of uh, things I didn't do well. I used to do a lot of drugs uh, to, to uh, you know, but in time things did get better as mm. I put myself on a path of honesty and trying to just better myself and be there for my children. Yeah. And my son just graduated from college Aww. on Saturday. Oh, wow. So immediately following his graduation, I got in a car, drove to Vegas, got my flight, and, and it's just been a whirlwind. And so now we're doing our third show tonight, and um, we're selling out. Brilliant. Busy and, man. And yeah. everyone is so friendly here. Everyone is friendly here. Yeah. Just like, like Ireland. I'm like, I needed this. Yeah. I thought, you know, Utah is really friendly. Yeah. But Ireland? It's ridiculous. It's mad, isn't it? You go down the street and everyone says hi to you. It's like really like a different world. Yeah. Even in Salt Lake, they are not this nice. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty special. Dublin's a really special city. We've always yeah. really enjoyed it here. Yeah. Um, I feel like we could just talk to you for absolutely ever. Um, but obviously, we d you wouldn't be able to get to your show if you did. So um, we should probably let you go. But um, okay. Uh, We'd like to ask you to, if you can, I'm sure you'll be able to, um, put your play into three words that would describe it best. Mm. <laughs> Mercy, justice, and miracles. That's beautiful. That's that was beautiful. not what I expected. No, I like I, that. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, tell us again when you're performing, where? Well, I'm at the Teachers Club, so go to the website for thegaytheater.ie and you'll see Confessions of a Mormon Boy. Um, we have a lot of seats left on the matinee, so you, those are, we need to fill that. It's Saturday at 2.30, I think. So, um, and I'm Stephen Fales, F as in Frank, A-L-E-S, mm -hmm. on Facebook, Mormon Boy on Twitter, um, you'll find me online, just Google. Just Google the guy. Yeah. Well, thank you so Been much, and yeah, have a brilliant rest of your run, and I'm sure we'll see you soon, thank you. Yes, Thanks. cheers, thanks so much. <laughs> So that was Confessions of a Mormon Boy. We absolutely loved chatting with him. It's absolutely fascinating. Yep, so go and find out the full story for yourself in his show. He's a lovely, charming, interesting man. <laughs> and um, it'll probably be nice for you to look at him as well, because yes. he's, he's a rather good-looking man. Yes, he is. He's uh, pretty gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've mentioned a couple of times how happy we are with our Airbnb. This is probably because we've stayed in some pretty shady places in the past. Um, so where have we stayed? In Edinburgh yep. is really where we go away to most. Yes. I mean, our first place that we stayed in was how many, how far out of the city? I think it was probably about three, maybe four miles. We were, at, we were by the sea. We were by the sea. It was cheap, and which I, was good. Yeah, it was cheap. But we couldn't, we, that year we had no money and we couldn't afford to even get the bus yeah. into town. So we had about an hour walk in, to town. And our show was at 11 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and why? We, yeah, I know. Why was it? Don't know. <laughs> it's a show about drugs and 
sex and violence. But yeah, you can tell we knew what we were doing yeah. with that festival. <laughs> and of course we wanted a flyer in the morning, which obviously the, the the mile would be dead then, but we'd obviously have to get up and like march oh, off. We were getting up at like six and then of course you can't pop home. No. <laughs> so, oh, we were exhausted that whole yeah, time. We so. were we were probably really fit afterwards though. Oh yeah, probably. Dublin, we stayed in... A hostel. A hostel. Well, that was fine, because it was very central, but... It was lovely and central. You don't feel as comfortable, do you? A hostel's a hostel, isn't it? Yeah, you, and you can't, like... You, there you're... was four of us in one tiny room, yeah, so there was nowhere beds. to hang out apart from, the, like, the communal areas. Yeah, so that wasn't... It was, you know, it was fine. It was it was what it was. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, it was back to Edinburgh. Back to Edinburgh, because we're always going back to Edinburgh. Every time. In a lovely flat, right in so the centre of town. So central. Probably, like... A minute walk from Assembly Gardens. Yeah. It was so nice yeah. location-wise. But we did get a phone call from our landlady literally like the day before we were going to show up saying, oh, by the way, I've double booked this accommodation, so <laughs> you're going to have to share with someone else. And if you've ever tried to get accommodation in Edinburgh, you know it's beyond a nightmare. So you can't, when someone says that, you can't really argue it. You can, no, just... you can try and get a discount, which we did. Yeah, luckily. But, you know, at that stage you got to like it or lump it. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and we lumped it, um, which meant that we all, uh, three of us, were in the lounge area, which wasn't, t- it wasn't too small, but I mean, for three people in one room, and we had two of us on airbeds, I was on a sort of single futon sort of setup, and um, yeah. yeah, and it was, it was, it wasn't ideal. It was cosy. And oh yeah, we had a flood, a flash flood. We had we? a lovely flash flood. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, woke up, we basically, we had, our landlady had told us we couldn't use the um, washing machine because it was broken. and um, Which was fine. Yeah, which was fine. She actually did all our washing for us, which was pretty wonderful. Um, but uh, we, one of our, the cast member that we'd um, hired in had um, was he was he was very curious about the washing machine and wasn't quite sure if it was definitely broken. Overly curious. <laughs> very very curious. He was doing a bit of detective work. Thought there might be a conspiracy. And um, one morning, whilst Dan and I were still sleeping, um, he decided to open said washing machine just to check, just, just to, to check. make sure um, it was broken and yeah. full of water. Yes. So we woke up to the sound of gushing <laughs> water. Niagara Falls and four inches of water in the kitchen. So we had to try and clean that up before we got ourselves a very large bill yes our other our other accommodation in edinburgh uh, yes. when we were doing jesus camp the musical that was that was a nice flat for a good price yeah. and a good location good location um so there were three of us again there was three of us until we realized there was actually four of us yes we had an unknown we, she didn't tell us there was somebody else sharing with us but we found out there was a very little visitor yes who was Mostly liking to visit me, really, and <laughs> I, like I very much didn't like this visitor. Um, did we give him a name? I feel like he had a name I, at some point, I but I don't know what it was. Maybe Howard or something. Who knows? It was a tiny, tiny little little brown mouse, <laughs> um, and our musician had this kid's bedroom. Yeah, he was, so he was sleeping in the kid's bedroom and bunk bed. The kid wasn't there. No, no one was no, there. Just yeah, us. Just to clarify, um, and me and Bethan had the main bedroom. So Bethan had the bed, and I slept on the floor on a black mattress and <laughs> I could hear this mouse in the walls or everywhere and then he'd all the come time. And visit you in the kitchen and, and then, I'd yeah, wake I'd up just to be, squealing noises. Yeah, I'd just be trying to chill out and rest in the kitchen, have a have a bit of downtime. There he is, crawling across the floor. And he jumped as well. He was really, he, he jumped was a really jumpy high. little fucker. 
But but he would always come back. He'd like be like, oh fuck, someone's there. And then two minutes later, he'd be like, is someone there? Then he'd be like, oh fuck, someone's there. <laughs> and then we'd do these horrible jumps, and you're just like, oh god. So I spent a lot of that time uh, standing on the chair and <laughs> yeah. not sleeping. It and... was like a Tom and Jerry cartoon with you on the chair going. Ah! <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. That was actually a pretty accurate description, I would say. Not my most masculine of moments. <laughs> Oh. So, yeah. so this is why we're so pleased to be here. I mean, it's it's like we've got um, we've got a kitchen and lounge area. We've got a bedroom. We have got a bathroom, a television. We've got a, we've got a couch. We've got a gorgeous shower. We've got a little area where we can stand outside in a garden to sit in. And no one's visited us yet. No, no, no little visitors. No big no. visitors. No, it's all. It's all lovely. Yeah, touch wood. So Dublin, you're winning right now. Yes. You're at the top of the pile. Absolutely. We're coming back. Thank you for down. having us. Yes. <laughs> so I guess we should move on to our next lovely interview. We should. We met with Nicole, who is um, doing both sides now. And um, yeah, I guess... I'm, I'm fascinated by this Me piece. Too. I think it sounds like such an interesting concept, but it'll probably sound better coming from her. Yeah, so, so let's have a listen to her. On with the interview. So I am now joined with Nicole, who's performing Both Sides Now. Would you like to tell us a little bit about your show? Yeah, well, it is a, a bisexual Joni Mitchell play. So basically it's about this character that's bisexual. She is um, 18, just after finishing school. She's going through her first breakup and how she's trying to deal with that is through a flip chart and the music of Joni Mitchell. Of course. So, yes, like any normal 18-year-old girl. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Is it autobiographical at all, or is this totally fictional? I've been getting that question a lot, and the story isn't per se. I mean, like, um, like the ex in question, like I never dated a, a biphobic girl when I was 17 that broke up with me because I was bisexual and had like a half sleeve tattoo. That's not my story. <laughs> but definitely like, definitely I have felt the same feelings that Lydia has in the past. So yeah, there's a, there obviously is like a huge amount of myself in the play, but it's not my story. Yeah. yeah. It, it Like I completely understand if people like think that. I've had people ask me being like, did you write that play? Because your name isn't Lydia. <laughs> but like, it's a play. <laughs> people find one person shows very confusing, don't yes. they? Mm. People do seem to think that because it's just you, it must be it must be your story. Yeah, it's your yes. story no. Obviously, but no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I know in the uh, synopsis in the um, program it says there's a guitar involved. So is yes. there? Are you? So you're playing music as well? And oh yeah, like it's all uh, live music. There's no tracks or anything Excellent. like that. I actually picked up the guitar for this role. Oh really? Yeah. I, I didn't know how to play before, so I was like. What is going to make me learn how to play guitar if I write a play where I have to play guitar? So I knew like that would give me like the kick yeah. that I needed to actually learn because yeah. I always wanted to learn. So. Yeah. Now I can. Yay! Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how's the festival been going so far? Tell us a little bit about how your shows have been. It's been going really well. Yeah. No, our, our first night was like fantastic, like the best I'd ever did it, and. It was also my 21st birthday oh, opening night. Oh, happy birthday! Oh, thank <laughs> you very much. Yeah, so it was just like a wonderful day. But at the same time, like, it's been also like such a... It's very hard to do one, one person plays in general. And like me, this is my first year at a drama college as well. I've never done a play like this. So it's also been a little bit difficult too because I'm learning so much, um, you know. 
one person plays it's just a huge like task and responsibility in a way especially if you it's your name on the poster your face you on the stage if something goes wrong or people don't like it it's all on yeah, you. Yeah, you can't hide <laughs> behind, you know, somebody else has written it, so it's exactly. not my problem. Yeah. 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 So, like, that's been definitely something that I've had to kind of uh, realise and just kind of, like, take on the chin yeah. as well. Yeah, resilience. <laughs> it sounds like you've made some really interesting choices staging-wise with this flip chart. Yeah. So well, how, does, how does that work? Um, it's actually, we've made it, my director, uh, James M. O'Connor, he wanted to make it as simple as possible and we ground it in, like, it's not uh, taking place in like the past or anything like that, it is, that character is right in front of you in the audience, she's talking to you and, you know, it is taking place in the Pierce Centre on the first week of May, so we've made it like there's a phone call in the middle of it and like she's showing the audience like these charts and stuff like that. It's very much taking place in that time. And there's nothing else on the stage. It's just a guitar, the flip chart, my seat <laughs> and a CD. And that is it. And uh, yeah, I had a great time. I was also kind of in a way, cause it's so simple. I got to be prop designer too, cause I made everything on that chart. <laughs> and like I, so I made my character an artist as well. So I also had to like do little paintings and little doodles on the, like- You kept yourself busy on this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of new skills. Oh, that is one, yeah. The, the chart in itself, it's like another character in the play, you know, and the audience. It's a great little like relief for me and the audience that I can do a little um we do 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 we do like a running theme of because we kind of play on that kind of thing where people don't think people think you have to pick a side if you're bisexual, you know, like are you straight, are you gay? So I kinda I actually do like a roundup of okay, reasons why I'm actually gay, reasons why I'm actually straight. And it's great for me to be able to turn away and just refer to something yeah. instead of just running on the top of my head and scared for the audience to look at something else other than <laughs> my face. <laughs> yeah. Is there a particular reason why it's Joni Mitchell? Um, well, that is like a part of uh, the kind of where the autobiographical part comes in because I remember going through a breakup and also discovering Joni Mitchell at the same time and just listening to those, to her songs and just relating to like the words in the the blue album specifically which i which the play is kind of based around um i don't know to be honest i like the fact that the name of my play is a pun it's both sides now yeah. it's a play about bisexuality i kind of thought of that and i was like hmm can i write a play about that and just put joni and bisexuality <laughs> together it's so ridiculous like i'm in love with the tagline of this play which as i introduced it's a bisexual musical play set to the music of joni mitchell when when i was sending out like my press releases and stuff anyone i've said it to they're like that sounds interesting at least gets your attention because it, it definitely does that yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you got plans to take it elsewhere after this I didn't realise, you know, before applying uh, to Dungate Theatre Festival, the amount of other queer festivals that are around there. So I've seen all those more options for me. So I want to take it further because I've worked on this for a while now. And I, you know, I, I kind of don't want to give it up. I, yeah. I spend all those hours on the chart, you guys. What are you going <laughs> yeah. to do with it? Take it elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you say you've spent quite a while on it. How long, how long was this creative process? I first thought of uh, Both Sides Now 
two years ago when I first started drama school. So it, it took that long for the idea. And then, you know, I was acting and like finishing, like getting a college degree. And then I picked it up again. I kind of like, it was great actually that I was able to kind of mull over the ideas and, you know, in my head of the play for that amount of time. So I really got to have like a, I, I got to really properly think about the plot and how to do it as best as possible. And obviously whenever I listened to Joni Mitchell, all I could think about was to play for yeah. the past two years. So I picked it up after I finished college and then just got a draft in, sent it out and just finished it and sent it out to the world. <laughs> and here it is. And here it is, yeah. <laughs> cool, so if you can, could you put the play into three words? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to do like a B kind of theme, so I was like broken heart, bisexual, Bajoni Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give you that. I think that. Yes. Works. Yeah, Bajoni Mitchell. Mitchell. <laughs> Perfect. Well, if you could just let us know again when you're performing, what time, where. So um, we're gonna be on for the rest of the first week of the festival. So that is in the Pierce Centre on Pierce Street, Twenty Seven Pierce Street. And it is on at half 7 p.m. Uh, we're also paired with Wasting Paper by Liam Moore, which is another great play. Both plays in the double bill are written by young female queer writers. So we're getting that representation out there. And we also have a matinee on Saturday at 4 p.m. So, yeah, running until Saturday, guys. <laughs> half 7. Get your Joni Mitchell fix. Yeah! Yay! <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much Thanks for joining, joining us. Thank you. <laughs> So that rounds off our chats with the cast for this week's festival. Um, just like to say a massive thank you to everybody who joined us. It yeah, was so great to meet chatting. everybody and so interesting to hear about these awesome plays. And you can book tickets for all these shows that are running till Saturday 6th at www.gaytheatre.ie, including our show Bleach. Yes. Don't forget to see that Don't one. Don't forget. And, um, our next podcast will be talking about the exciting, awesome shows for next week. So don't miss that as well. Yeah, because the out. festival continues running until the 14th of May. So you've got a whole new programme next week to get stuck into. So, well, thanks for listening, guys. And we will talk to you in the next podcast. Bye. Bye.